so in the book, she talks about, Lynn Twist talks about, and if we really examine our beliefs and assumptions about other people in the context of money, we might need to open ourselves, our hearts and our minds to people we have closed off from ourselves. And what she's really talking about is an experience while she's in India talking with Mother Teresa and this very wealthy um, couple comes in and kind of like disregards that Lynn and Mother Teresa are having this conversation and literally just kind of like here and like grab Mother Teresa, like physically grab her, like tell her to stand up so they can take their pictures and they're dripping in jewels. And then they're, and they're just like in there to get pictures and then they leave. And Lynn is so massively upset and offended by this that she leaves the meeting. She goes home. She writes a letter back to Mother Teresa saying, I really didn't appreciate that you know, not that she's blaming Mother Teresa, but just that she's just like, I really didn't appreciate those people. And she's like, where's your, and Mother Teresa's response is, where's your compassion? Where's your compassion to people? Just because again, it kind of comes back to our relationship with money that we think that because people have money or have been gifted these amazing things that okay. somehow they still are not relatable because they haven't had that. They're still humans. They still have their own struggles. Money doesn't solve problems. Money is just an extension of you and your intention behind it. So I think that kind of kind of goes right along into what you were saying about, you know, this gift that was bestowed upon you at your father's death. Like it's, I, I, I you know, that he was so thoughtful and so far future thinking and caring that I need to set this up for my daughter, right? And pretend. Yeah. So that's the piece I want to talk on today, if you're okay with that. Definitely. Perfect. So those are our three. Are you ready to get started? Sure. Okay. Sure. So by the way, I'm already recording because I like raw and edited oh, great. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. So hello and welcome to Coffees, Chicks, and Cash, the podcast. I'm Danielle McCarthy, your host. And today uh, joining me is this amazing new friend, soulmate, and amazing businesswoman. And her name is um, Jasper Axelrad, and she is the owner and op not operator, but owner of Tobala Fine Mexican Cuisine. She's going to tell us about that in here in just a second. But first, we need to do our podcast description. So the podcast was created for women who desire to take control of their financial future, expand their financial knowledge base, become confident and feel competent regarding money and all things financial. It was also designed to educate women about their relationship with money in a relaxed environment and build a community of women who support one another as they strive for financial success. So Jasper, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Danielle. And I think that that's such an amazing thing that you're putting together because oh, it you. is something that needs to be talked about in an open and safe manner, exactly like you're saying. This is what I want it to be, is just two chicks having a conversation, one from the apartment, run from her car, or like we were in a coffee shop or wherever, but having some amazing um, conversations. So tell us a little bit about it, you, how you got started with um, Tobala, and then we're going to kind of move into what we were just talking about with the book and how that relates to your story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so Tabala was uh, and is a total passion project. It is a food truck in Colorado Springs. Um, the chef, just a little bit of background, and we'll tie into this probably later, but I, um, I spent two and 
and a half years living in my car, backpacking um, many different states, um, mostly four different states, but then traveling across the U.S. and uh, living in a tent um, because I wanted to do this. <laughs> and I met Fernando. He's the chef of Tobala. He's has 25 years of fine dining. He's a level two sommelier. He's not meant to be in a food truck by any means. And when I say that, I say that because um, his skill level and the dishes he creates is meant to be in fine dining. So um, the way Tobala came about is uh, COVID hit. And what did we see? We saw all your third-party delivery services, your Grubhub, your your DoorDash, your Uber Eats, uh, pretty much monopolized and capitalized. And it was very frustrating for me to see because all of a sudden a meal at IHOP turned into $60 for two people. Mm -hmm. And that was ridiculous. Um, and on top of it, they even took more percent from their drivers as well. Uh, so all of these things I thought was really, really awful, uh, given the situation that we were all pretty much pushed into um, and, and put us all at hurt, no matter where you're at in life. Uh, I think COVID affected everybody um, in a very, very difficult manner. So I called up Fernando. He worked at a fantastic restaurant in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Chef Martin, uh, Restaurant Martin, if you've been there. But, um, but I asked him what he was doing, and it was pretty much nothing because he couldn't do anything. And I asked him if he wanted to come remodel my basement. <laughs> so he came and he did this and it turned into a future endeavor for brick and mortar for Tobala to become a restaurant. So we've been operational for about a month. Uh, very excited to say we're pretty much booked out the rest of the year. And we are also starting five course fine dining meals um, in conjunction with Black Hat uh, Distillery here in the Springs with crafted handmade cocktails paired with each meal so um stay tuned for how to get in on that because that's gonna be awesome <laughs> that sounds so amazing i totally love this does tobala mean something what does it mean what is the name how did you guys come up with that name so fernando came up with the name tobala because like i said one he loves wines but he's also very good at spirits tobala is a cactus um and an agave plant, which is where tequila comes from, but it comes from mezcal. Uh, what's interesting about Tobala is it only grows at a higher elevation and it does not flower like your other agave plants. So it only can grow per seed. So it takes about 30 years for one to mature. So to create mezcal from a Tobala plant, it's very rare, it's very unique, and it's very sought after. Um, and I thought that that was incredibly unique when I read about it and learned about it as the name of the restaurant because he is in a particularly unique situation um, going from food truck from, you know, the top restaurant right. in Santa Fe to food truck. But I love that it's, it's special, it's unique, and it's, it's sought after. Like that's kind of what you kind of want in a business, right? And I'll, I, so when you said that thought after, uh, sought after, I kind of was like, oh, you guys need to have like music playing like an ice cream truck down the street like you <laughs> first and then there's the margarita truck for adults like this is what I totally envisioned when you said it's sought after like I was just like yes I would drive after trying the barbacoa I was like I would drive anywhere to find this food truck to have this amazing Mexican 
it's ridiculously good as a food truck. I'm I'm so impressed with him. Mind you, talk about a learning curve. He's been in a full-fledged kitchen with line chefs working alongside nine nine-year nominee James Beard, uh, mm-hmm. like nominee right chef, and jumps into a food truck and still makes an incredible product. Um, and I mean, it's it's something special for yes, sure. Yes, it is. Yes, like, it is. So. I want to backtrack to you being in your car, living in your car, backpacking and all of that. So talk to us about that. How did you, what made you decide to do that? What made you kind of where, what was the circumstances around that? Well, you'll notice, you know, I'm in my car right now. um, And it has become such a safe space for me. Uh, I've, uh, anytime I need a break, I need a quiet space or a private space. It is my own little personal bubble. Um, I can go anywhere I need to in it. It makes me very, very happy. Uh, and I realized that while I was backpacking, essentially. Um, but I've got to backtrack a little bit here to get That's to fine. the car situation. That's fine. So Do growing it. up, <laughs> growing up, I grew up in a very affluent neighborhood in Houston. Um, and unlike my neighbors, which I, you know, I can't speak on their behalf. I'm not them. I didn't, I wasn't raised in their household, but I got a sense from them that they knew that they were, they had wealth in their family. My parents did not raise me that way. They did not raise us to believe that we had wealth. And despite whatever wealth they did have, come our teens, I constantly felt like we were going like completely broke for some god awful reason. <laughs> I don't know why, because that was never the situation, but clearly they did not want us to have that mindset. So I had a very different perspective than the people I went to school with. I had a lot of trouble making friends. I prioritized things differently. And as you already know, Danielle, I'm kind of a weirdo, um, as is. <laughs> like, I don't think you're a weirdo. weirdo. I think you're just a girl boss who knows what she wants and she goes for it. <laughs> I say weirdo all the way. <laughs> but <laughs> I had a very hard time relating to the people around me, essentially. Um, and I found friends in, in people who prioritized Uh, loyalty. That to me became um, so much stronger because I think I was around people where social status was a priority instead of loyalty. Mm. And, um, and then as I, as I grew up, right, that, that really honed in for me on trying to find people that I related to in any capacity to get close to was was very challenging because my priorities in life seemed to be so different than the people who my age was. And at a certain point, um, I I felt like I was being judged in a really big sense from where I came from. Like, and it's kind of the opposite from what you hear. A lot of the time you hear someone in a, like a lower socioeconomic status saying they feel judged from where they come from, but if you come from an affluent area, right, a lot of the time, the feeling I would get from a lot of people is I had things handed to me, or I had it easier, 
And it very well may be true. I think I had many opportunities that most people don't have or access to resources or knowledge even about resources that most people were not given growing up. And I can thank my parents hugely for this. Um, but I needed to know that I had enough strength within me to be on my own, to be autonomous, to know what that looks like. Uh, and for me, I owned my car and that was the only thing I truly owned. And I needed to know, again, I could be on my own. So I got in my car and I got compared. I still haven't seen the movie. It's called Wild, I think with um, uh, Reese Witherspoon. I got compared to this all the time because I'd never camped. I'd never backpacked, nothing like that. And I literally just drove off with a bunch of camping gear and learned. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. And so help me understand. So you, you take off into the car and keep going. And what do you do during this time? Well, there was a couple things. One, I needed to get away. Um, like I said, I needed a space uh, that I felt my own. I also don't think I was in a very great mental state. I had gotten out of a very, very bad relationship, unfortunately. Um, I had just lost my two dogs who, again, when you do not have close connections to people, your connection to your animal can supersede that. Um, so for me, I almost felt like I had just lost my world. Right. Uh, and my mom had had a, a triple bypass. Um, and so I was helping her heal. She's always had health complications. And I was at a point where um, I was having panic attacks all day long so I wasn't doing great myself so when it came to I need to leave um, I went to a friend who is a, a former Navy SEAL and he was going to help teach me some camping stuff and I went and I stayed with him and it was incredibly cathartic because that was in New Mexico and um, and I got to learn but I also just got freedom and when I say freedom, I mean, I didn't need to worry about the next bill. I didn't need to worry about a nine to five. I didn't need to worry about um, who I needed to meet with or anything along these lines. And I, I truly did what I wanted to do every second of the day. Right. And that was something that I would encourage anyone to have that experience because <laughs> it's, it's freeing. Right. And you bring up a point that I think a lot of people, um, under, you know, we kind of think freedom differently. And so because we're kind of about coffee sticks and cash and we, and when we talked about this before, I'm going to ask a very personal question and answer it to your comfort level by all means. Why were you given this freedom? Like that you didn't have to worry about a bill, like, cause you know, and to worry about bills. And I mean, obviously you come from an affluent family, but what was that? I mean, obviously you weren't working. So what helped to fund that type of lifestyle for you? Well, again, so I think I was given access to resources. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say that, it wasn't that someone sat down and taught me these things, right? But right. I grew up around people who had financial savvy. So I got to look and watch what they did. But also, I am a very strong believer in, um, I, I feel like people should get what they put into something. So commission, for example, that's a touchy area. Mm -hmm. I happen to love it. Mm 
Right. Um, I always want to do things on commission instead of an hourly basis because the way I feel about it is if someone else, if I'm working for somebody else and they're not profiting and I'm putting in the effort so that they profit and they're not, I don't want them to be paying me if they don't have the funds to do it. Right. So I graduated as a dental hygienist in 2016 and as a new grad, uh, which is also a little bit um, probably not as common. I think most new grads do some kind of hourly pay or they'll do hourly with commission. Um, I really insisted on commission and I did very well for my first year and I saved those funds in a big capacity. I took a chunk of it. And I have to play mind games with myself financially, because if I see the funds there, I think they're mine to use, which means right. I need savings accounts that I never see. So right. I did that, <laughs> um, where whatever was put into my, my paycheck, immediately a, a portion of it, a percentage would be put immediately into another savings account. Pay yourself first. That's one of the things I I teach. I teach my clients financially is pay yourself first. Even if it's only $5 that you can start with, um, pay yourself first that into a savings account that you don't touch, that you don't do. Um, because that's huge. That can become an emergency fund that I have one myself. That's at a credit union that is only has one location in town and it's hard to do anything online. They don't necessarily have an ATM and I purposely didn't get an ATM card for it. And yep. it's literally, I have to, I don't, they don't even have a drive through. Like it is just a small little thing. And every opportunity I get, I drop money into that account, drive across town to just drop it and walk away. And I forget yeah. it's there. Yeah. I can't I, even remember the pass, passwords for half of my accounts. Yeah, like, no, that's exactly it. Yeah, like I have online access and I'm pretty sure it's in my, you know, it's somewhere the password saved for me or it's in my mm-hmm. little black book that I have written down all my passwords, but it's not- or you're resetting it every single time you want to go log in, right? Right, it's not the account that I check daily. I check all of my accounts daily, but this is the one account that I don't check it daily for that specific reason. And I love this account too, because it was gifted to me by my grandmother who started it when I was very, very young, rolling pennies. And when I took over the account, I think I was in my late twenties, early thirties when I like, she was like, Oh, by the way, I have this account of yours that you probably yeah. should have access to. And you're like, what? Right. And all she did was literally, um, and my great, my grandmother now is in her eighties she just rolled pennies, all of her pocket change. She put in jars and, and, you know, into a jar. And then she would faithfully sit there with the little pink wrappers, wrap pennies and gift it to all of the grandchildren, that type of thing. So, you know, it was nice to find that. And then I've just added to it. I've had to pull from it a couple of times, but I always try and put not just that amount back, but keep building it on top of it. And it's like you said, it's, it's a struggle to get to it. So, and I forget that it's there other than when I receive a commission or I receive a payment for whatever I'm doing from both businesses, something goes in there. I pay myself first. Well, yes. And just to give you an idea of what like my basic setup looks like, I've got my checking account 
Then I've got a savings account on the same thing, right? And then I have an emergency fund. My emergency fund needs to say add a certain amount for me to ever feel comfortable. If it ever drops, that's the first thing that gets funded. Then my savings account, I want at a certain number and it never goes below that number. If it drops, that's my second one that gets funded. And then I have, I use Barclays. I like Barclays. I think that it's an international bank. Um, it's mm -hmm. online and I'm a, I'm a fan of it. It's had consistently high yield savings, but I have money that just transfers to Barclays from any check that I get that I don't even think about. Mm -hmm. So just, just to let you know, like, a, just a really basic setup for me because that way I see what's in my checking account as things I can spend. My savings account can't drop below a certain number. My emergency account needs to stay at a certain number. It doesn't get touched. And then there's another savings account that I don't know anything about Right. that I set up personally, but I don't want to know anything about it. And it stays at a high yield savings and I don't think about it. Money just is pulled from my checks and put there. So, nice. So I want to ask you a quick question about your emergency fund. Do you base that on your income, your expenses, or just a amount of money in that account? So originally when I started it, I looked up, so most of my stuff that I've learned, I really learned off of Google, believe it or not. I mean, we've GTS. got Google and YouTube at our fingertips. Yep. Utilize it. Uh, I know a lot of the time I'm, I, again, like I said, I think I get, uh, I've gotten feedback a lot, like things were handed to me in a sense. Most of my knowledge that I gained, I got from Google. And I think, in, well, not anyone, but most people do have access to this. Just Google the question. However, yeah. here's where the difference comes from and the opportunity is, how do you know what questions to ask? That's where I may have received a lot more opportunity than others because I knew mm -hmm. what questions. Right. So, I originally, when I looked up what your savings account, your emergency fund should look like, should have like $2,500 minimum. Um, but then later on, they shifted that to a percent. So whatever your total, your total gross expenditures are, I, I forgot the number, but there was like a certain percent that your emergency fund should always stay at. Um, so for me, that's how I, I ended up creating what that number should be for me. Uh, but I also always want to have um, something I noticed and something I know I don't think we're going to talk on, but I, something I really love actually is credit cards. People are so scared of them and I understand it, but I do feel if you utilize them properly, they're just like discount cards. You get an awesome credit rating. You, you must pay it off every single time. But no matter where I am, I'm always going to get 2% back. For gas, I'm minimum going to get 3%, usually 5 And then a lot of these credit cards have deals on them where you can get 15% back on almost anything. So, it's so I, think awesome. I'm gonna, I think I'm just going to have to invite you back just for credit cards alone because that is powerful right there. I want to backtrack awesome. real quick again, because that's yet another podcast that I will bring Sorry. you for. No, I, I can't get it. No, I love it. You're a wealth of information, and I just want to bring more of it. But I want to go back to the three accounts, the ER, the emergency fund. So then how did you determine your savings and checking account amounts on that account? Well, so at the time, um, I, I, like I said, I started with 2500 because that was the number that mm -hmm. was just was floating told. out there. Right. Now, um, 
I want to make sure that I'm at, as far as an emergency fund goes, I want to make sure that I'm at at least a month to three months of pay for my home, for my loved ones, which were my fur babies, um, and, and, and so that I can get by without any trouble if, that, if it ever came to that. But my idea is, oh my God, I, I'm a weirdo. Here we go, biology, right? Just like a cell, a cell has so many fail-safes involved so that, so that you, it doesn't turn into cancer. It, it undergoes something called apoptosis, which is called cell suicide, right? Mm -hmm. It's got so many fail-safes involved that it shouldn't ever get to that point. Right. I never want to get to the point of utilizing my emergency fund. It's right. not there for that at all. So if I'm ever reaching that, I feel like I've, I've not done something right, but I'm a little bit of a control freak if you can't tell. <laughs> so I want to put things in place enough to where I never reach that emergency fund. So I love that. So I love that you started with one to three months of essentially your income, right? Your gross income. It wasn't your expenditures. It was your gross income. It, yeah, well, it's one to three months of my, what my monthly expenditures would be. Monthly expenditures. Okay. So, I misunderstood that because I teach my clients, um, gross income because, um, in a crisis situation, if you were to do something like that and having gone through my own and I had to deplete all of my accounts like to zero and then some, um, I like income because when my husband died, we instantly cut expenditures back um, right. just because, and then that allowed funds to go a little bit further, right? Like I didn't need to have cable anymore. I didn't need to have a landline because I had a cell phone. I still needed right. internet, um, those types of things. So I like basing it on income because that's where most people start before they do their expenditures. And just a quick little financial minute, always keep your income above your expenditures. Um, I, I do a great little, um, yep, I do a great little presentation when I draw two lines. Um, income is always above expenses just to drive that home. So I love that you have many fail safes. So the emergency fund, you do it on expenditures one to three months. I like to do three to six months. Just mm -hmm. simply because- That makes a lot more sense. Right, because, and especially given kind of the time period and era that we're in right now, we're seeing, you know, um, we only thought we were gonna be locked down a month. Some places are still locked down and we're now six months into this, um, this situation right now. And one to three months, it was already gone, right? Even before, and for some families, that one to three months wasn't even there or was gone almost instantly. No. And again, right. yes, uh, and then when people lost their jobs, again, that's why I still like the income piece as opposed to expenses because that, having gone through it myself, um, I wanted to maintain, when I could get back to it, was maintain my income and pull my expenditures down because that was easy. I could... I can make better choices at the grocery store as far right. as expenditures. I could, you know, again, cut down this. I wasn't doing driving. So of course gas went down. Like you can play with the expenditures piece, but I feel like the income is the foundation and household of, you know, what everything is based on. So I personally like three, actually like six to nine months, six to a, months to a year emergency fund because you just never know what negative life expense, life experiences are going to happen. In my case, 
one, my husband died. I had massive health issues right before. I wasn't able right. to work for almost another year after his death, not because of my grief, but just because of my own health issues. So that would have saved me. And I ended up having to pull, like I said, I ended up having to pull my, all my total retirement, all my retirement accounts, everything just to maintain basic living with minimal expenses going out just to kind of maintain an income um, and took a huge hit in income. What, how did you come back? So kind of circling this back around. So with, you have the emergency fund and then you have your savings account and a checking account. How did you determine the save, not the emergency fund account, but the save, the other savings account and then the, the checking account? Because I love that you have redundancy, 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 redundancy plans because girlfriend, you are talking to a choir, but I want <laughs> listeners to truly kind of get an idea of where they can start, how they can structure this. Well, if it's okay, I'd like to offer a, another yes. perspective a because what I think is really cool and the key piece that I'm hearing is duration. So mm -hmm. you are saying emergency fund plan for almost a year, essentially. That's fantastic if you're doing it based on income. The way, the reason that I like to do it based on expenditure is because of the things you touched on exactly. So I do things, again, I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of an OCD component and I don't throw that around lightly because it does affect me in many ways. But the reason that I say expenditure is because if my monthly household fees are 4,500 a month, which they are, believe it or not, they are ridiculously high, okay, it's going to take me, if I get into a financial bind, it's going to take me at least a month to cancel services that I still mm -hmm. have to pay for, right? I can cut expenditure costs, but if I'm basing my emergency fund and my savings funds based on my expenditures, I will always be above the mark because my income should always be above my expenditures, right? Right. Ideally, right. but that's not always the case, right. right? A lot of people end up with a much lower income than their expenditures. So for me, I feel if you base your savings or your emergency fund off your expenditures, you're gonna have a much better cushion than if you do right. it based on your income because your income may be very low. However, you heard my duration period was like three months. Mm -hmm. Now during those three months, I might be able to cut half of my expenditures, right? Which may make that into a six month duration period right. versus if you're already financially planning for a year based on the income, it almost equates to the same thing. Yeah, no, it one of the things, we're coming to the same point just from exactly. two different perspectives. And I love that because you're looking at expenditures. I'm looking at duration just because of my experience because yeah. and working with some of my clients, you know, negative life events happen. And if you were to be injured in a car wreck in, you know, a, have a heart attack, cancer, stroke, which we're eight times more likely to have and survive. Is that a heart attack that is just kind of, it's a small one and you're back to work in a couple of weeks to a couple of months, or is it a heart attack that's going to require open chest and now you're out for six, nine, 12 months, or is it a cancer diagnosis that, you know, right. again, so I like the duration because of my experience and you kind of just never know what that, yeah. um, and I like the expenditures because also what happens is in those negative life events. Um, your income, like you said, goes down 
but your expenses shoot through the roof. So that's why I come at it from a different thing. Because again, right. even though I'm not working and my income's not coming in, and yeah, I can cut back food and cable and all of this, but now my medical expenses just went through the roof and I've got co-pays, doctor's appointments, blah, 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 blah. Right. So it's that's nuts. why I like the duration piece more so because sometimes those negative life events, I mean, it was, it was supposed to be a simple surgery for me and I was down for a little over a year because of it. Right. Right. Simple 45 minute yes. routine turned into a year recovery and then my, the death of my husband compounded that. So, um, that's why for me and my perspective, and again, we're both coming at the same point and getting, I arriving so. at the same goal. So it just depends on what your comfort is. And that's why I love this conversation because while we both come at it from a different point, we're still coming to the exact same the objective. The point's the same. Exactly. That objective is still and the I same. Think that that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so... I like having in my savings account, my expenditures, like one to okay. three to six months, three to nine months in my savings account. That's my expenditure. And then my checking account is what pays my bills. Right. Um, right. so that's kind of where I stagger that and how I stagger those. Um, and you know, trying to get those savings and the emergency fund into those high yielder, those higher yield savings accounts. So my money's working for me. Um, right without me having to do anything. It's the power yeah. of compounding interest. That's the power of high yield interest and that type of thing. So um, I love this conversation. Well, you and I, girlfriend, could do this forever and a day. Um, so I want to touch base real quick on a book that you're talking about. I mean, we, we kind of were talking about this because um, at the beginning, and there's a point in there that you talked about, and it kind of reminded me of The Breakfast Club. And where, it. you know, she, Molly Ringwald's character grows up on the wrong side of the um, tracks. And she's like, oh my gosh, living on the other side of the tracks in these big, huge houses in the neighborhood of affluence. Like they can't have any problems. They, you know, there's not. And even back in the eighties and I'm a Gen X eighties person. So as you're saying this, I'm like, I'm like sitting here with her and she's like, and Blaine's like, well, I have everything, but truly it was more about status. It wasn't about loyalty. Right. And I'm not trying to say that that plays out all the time, but it reminded me again, as we were talking at the beginning of this, the soul of money by Lynn twist, she talks about how uh, she's in an interview with mother Teresa and this very affluent company couple come in um, and kind of manhandle mother Teresa during this interview that she's doing with Lynn twist. And it's kind of, you know, Lynn's kind of put on hold and they kind of manhandle, take the picture and leave. And Lynn comes back, writes a letter to Mother Teresa and pretty much says, you know, I was offended by that. That was really upsetting to me, you know, what have you. And Mother Teresa's response was, where is your compassion? Right. Right. And right. I think we kind of forget that sometimes that money doesn't solve issues of happiness. Money doesn't create happiness. You create your happiness and your money is just an extension of you. It's your intention behind it. And, and I gotta tell you, oh my goodness, you're hitting such a hard, hard point for me that um, I had a conversation with my brother about this at one point. Uh, again, so I, I do have a, I have a trust, right? It was funded upon my dad's passing. All right. Mm -hmm. I think 
anybody in that situation would rather have their father. Of course. Uh, for the most part. Yep. So, um, one of the things that there's, there's actually many, many things, of but course. emotionally speaking, um, when I think about that, those dollars, those in a way, and it's weird to think about, but in a way that, that is his, his effort, his energy, his life force that he created for me. So there's a couple questions that I had to ask myself on, on my journey in general. And I still ask myself, I'm still growing very much, but one of the things is, is why is, why is money important? Right. Why, why is it important to me at all? Right. Um, what do I need from money? What do I, what, why do I even want it? Right. right. Because, you know, we live in a very uh, money driven society in particularly. And so um, I think separating your personal belief system from societal belief systems or that of your parents or that of someone you idolize potentially and figuring out what yours is very personal um, is really important. So personally for me, right, I want to have money to take care of the things that I love and the people that I love and, and what that looks like. So when I have funds, and, and kind of like I, I was talking to you a little bit before the other day, right? I was raised to be very secretive about money mm-hmm. where you're not supposed to talk about your funds. Right. You're not supposed to talk about what your finances are, what assets you may or may not have. Um, and, and that level of secrecy does no good to me um, because I, I don't see money as something that brings somebody um, importance in my life. Uh, I, I have many friends who are homeless. I slept with homeless people all the time. Right. They're, they're and a lot of them were there by choice. Right. Specifically. Exactly. I mean, it was exactly. really an amazing experience, full degrees, everything, Right. you know, it's not, it, it kind of debunks a lot of the stereotypes that we see mm-hmm. a lot of the time, but I think connecting to what money means to you emotionally, because I know for me, I equated money to love for a very long time because that's the way um, I was shown love, was right. taken out to a nice dinner by my my dad. And I think that's also really important because before someone points a finger of blame or something along these lines, I, that compassion piece is so important. Yes. The, the intent behind it was, I love you. Yes. The intent's not the money. Right. It's right. not, it's, I want to spend time with you. I might not know how to, but this is a way that I know how to spend time with someone and yes. show them care and love. Yes. And that to me, um, is really where finances, I think get misconstrued a lot of the time is the intention behind them. Yep. Um, I, I know we kind of even touched on like someone going through a nasty divorce and they're like, I want to take everything from them financially. Do they really, is that really what it's about? Or is it because they're feeling so hurt right. in the process? They have emotionally been so scarred and, and they want yep. someone to empathize with that. Yep. You know, and it's just how do you relate yourself to finances and money and, and what importance do you place on it? 
Yep. Um, well, and, and Lynn touches on that too. And that's where she talks about in the book, um, the soul of money, that there's the law of scarcity and there's the law of abundance and which do you live in? And it doesn't matter. Um, cause she talks about uh, in her book, she talks about working with the elite elite rich of the globe, as well as the poorest of poor in developing countries and everybody in between and the money problems are always the same. There's an amazing abundance or there's never not enough. And it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter where you're on that scale, where are you coming from and what is your intention behind the money? And what is that? And your dad left you an amazing gift. And it was, it was a gift of love. Um, that, you know, this was how he need, he knew how to do it. And that's an amazing thing. My husband did the same thing. Mine came from a different perspective, not a different perspective, but again, it was gifted in love and it left me with, um, some great benefits, um, because of his military career. And so I have those there. Would I happily give those up in a heartbeat to have my husband back? That's not even a question. That's not even an answer. Right. That's just not a, like, yes. I mean, that's not even a thing. But again, my husband did what he knew to do, how he knew it to do it within the means that he could to do that and, and set that up for myself and our kids and our four sons. So we're almost at an hour, which has been so much fun. I want to have you come back, but this was a great discussion. I love that we really got into some major financial stuff about the ER, the emergency fund, a savings account, and then the checking account. And then that other account somewhere over there that we're still paying ourselves, that's working for us. And we there's got, like six of them. I just don't want to know about them. We, we kind of forget that it's there, but it's there doing what we need it to do, which is work, putting our money to work for us. So I kind of want to end with a quick quote. I have another great book because these are always amazing books. Um, Sophia Amorosa, she is the CEO and founder of Nasty Gal. Is it Nasty Gal? Yeah, Nasty Gal. I'm in the process of reading and listening to her book on Audible. Um, but she has this great qu quote in here from Aristotle. And it says, money is a guarantee that we may have what we want in the future. Though we need nothing at the moment, it ensures the possibility of satisfying a new desire when it arises. And again, it goes back to our, our, our intention and that value we place through it. And money can, is truly just an extension of, do we live in a mindset of scarcity or do we live in an amazing world of abundancy and sufficiency? So Jasper, thank you so much for being on. Go ahead. Final thoughts. I was going to say just real quick and in layman's terms, right? And I love the quote, right? Like money doesn't buy everything, but I'd rather cry in a Ferrari. A lot of people right. have heard this. Right. Okay. I think that goes right in line with that. But I'm also right. a huge fan of Brene Brown. Um, yes. If you've read her things. Oh, uh, she, honey. I, Many times over. Love her, love her, love her. Took a course of hers as well, too. Strong back, soft front, wild heart. I love that. Always. That to me is amazing. Always. Awesome. So I wanted just to throw that in there. But thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I look forward to many more discussions, I hope. Yes. And so thank you so much, Jasper. If somebody wanted to reach out to you or find Tobala, where do we find you on the internet, on the interwebs, on the Facebooks and the LinkedIn's? Where do we find you? So real quick, wanted to tell you guys, an awesome, awesome opportunity if you are a business owner 
um, I just paired with human interest and these five course meals that are coming with these hand paired cocktails at Black Hat Distillery. If you guys have any interest in that, please email me, J-A-X-E-L-R-A-D, the number 22 at gmail.com. I can get those free for you, which is awesome. Nice. Incredible. $100 a plate. But if you want to find out where Tobala is, go to www.tobala, T-O-B-A-L-A, so tobalacuisine.com. Nice. So awesome. Schedule's on there. Awesome. And I hope to see you guys in the Colorado Springs area for a long, long, long time. And I'm going to end the episode right here with today's episode was brought to you by the McCarthy Agency, a part of the Five Rings Financial Family. Jasper, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate it. Yeah.